<laughs> Good evening, my friends. What's going down? It's Tuesday, the 20th, I believe, of August 2019. It's about 92 degrees at, at the moment. Hot as balls out here. Got a uh, Amazon truck bearing down on me from the rear. Watch his step. Got a guy with a big fat pop belly walking through the parking lot smoking a cigarette. He looks miserable. I wish him well. <clears throat> I wish you well, uh, Amazon driver. No hard feelings. I appreciate the work you do. <clears throat> I have a friend of mine just got a gig. He's a young man. He's in college. He just got a gig driving for Amazon. So you see all these crazy trucks, sprinter trucks or whatever the hell they're called, driving around. Um, I, I noticed recently that there was a big parking lot. This, you know how sometimes shopping centers will become abandoned? And you're like, man, that was a nice shopping center. How come this left? And how come that left? And you wonder what the circumstances were that you know, business couldn't have dried up. I know a lot of people that shop at that supermarket or that whatever. So there's one on my way home. Again, it was a very nice old place at a shopping uh, supermarket in there years ago, and just over time, one business after the other left. And now, the friggin' pizza joint left, and there was a like a hardware store in there that hang on, hung on for years. I don't know how the hell they managed, but they would sell Carhartts and boots and shit. Um, yeah. Anyway, the vacant shopping center has now been relegated to an Amazon parking lot where there are shitloads of car of uh, sprinter trucks and cars out there of the people who drive them and there's apparently a lot of need for drivers so this guy a friend of mine he um, he had to cancel his appointment today because he had to work they called him in that's pretty neat I think I mean I Amazon gets a lot of shit about not paying taxes and big corporate this and that and Jeff Bezos, whoever the fuck, he runs it, right? Um, I think he does. Anyway, just kind of, if he doesn't, you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're just industry, big industry, richer than is would seem possible and flying high, so... It's interesting to me, anyway, how technology and all these things. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get so busy sometimes that I can't stop. I can't justify stopping at the CVS or Walmart or wherever they got to go in order to pick up basic shit like ink cartridges and fucking t paper towels. I was just in the office. I need some goddamn paper towels. And uh, I don't want to stop, and I don't want to tell my wife. New text message from Madre. Here's a list. All right, I'm going to head over to the football field. Madre's calling. Um, ooh, look at that sunset. Beautiful. So, let's think about this. Friggin' Amazon, yes. Dude canceled. He, he got called in to work for Amazon. So, yeah, there's par all these abandoned parking lots where people used to go shop at brick and mortars. Now, they go to fucking... Uh, Order it online. We're all spending untold dollars on all these, the convenience of online shopping in the malls and department stores, whatever, it dried up. 
And it's an interesting time in that regard. Anyway, I'm glad to see some good come of it and that there's people out there delivering shit. But know this, once they figure out the drone thing or however they're going to deliver them other than vehicles, cars, they're going to drop these poor drivers as soon as they possibly can, you know. The rise of the machines will be coming. So there's that. Interesting, right? The Amazon driver. Next. Listen, there's some smelly motherfuckers out there. All right? Now, let's just talk about this. Nobody wants to be like Pigpen, be the smelly kid in class. Now, I'm going to put myself right out there. Mr. Workout, Mr. Meathead, Dr. Drill, I've rolled in the grass. I've sweated through articles of clothing until the crotch fell out, uh, until... um, my, you know, I got holes, moth-eaten looking t-shirts, and it's just like you could wash it in all kinds of super-duper solutions on hot with bleach, and you still wouldn't kill all the shit. I got like this micro, uh, microbacterial um, milieu, this shirt is almost like not even cotton anymore. It's organic in a different way. It's comprised of all these single-celled organisms that actually live, some in my armpits and some around my chest area, some on my back, my shoulder blades, that live within the fabric of this fucking t-shirt. So I know about, my point is, I I know about smelling bad. And I've got a stack of these t-shirts that I I find it hard to part with because I feel like the smell that, and the the use of these t-shirts, that old t-shirt, very comforting, very um, familiar, and it's part of me, you know, so, but let's be honest, there's some smelly bastards out there, I'm a sweater, I'm a big guy, um, we all smell, if set, if let stand long enough, there was a smelly bastard who came in today, and, you know, you gotta freaking get some deodorant going, you gotta put some powder in your shoes, you got to take care of your hygiene, man, because if not, people are going to know that about you, that you stink. There's just no excuse for it. You know, step a little bit closer to the deodorant tomorrow morning. Take a shower. And I remember years ago when I was in the core, of course, man, if you, there were some smelly bastards. We all kind of smelled. I remember being in recruit training in boot camp. And you just, there was a very uh, distinct effervescence about us. I mean, just constantly out in the South Carolina sun, constantly working out, the smell of, uh, you know, those pheromones and body odor inherent to a man. And every once in a while, there would be a female platoon that would pass by and they would smell different. They would smell funky as well. They would smell, there would be uh, body odor and there would be that female scent, something. It's it's hard to explain if you haven't um, been isolated from females for, you know, particularly it was three months. We barely saw any and then you smell some females walk by. Maybe they're products that they were able to use were um, 
you know, offered a certain smell. See, there's that parking lot with all the friggin' Amazon trucks. Um, so it's interesting. And I also have talked about how when we would pull into port city after port city, the people smelled different. The port, the wharf, the, the people smelled different. The food, the fuels, the smell of the water, uh, the smell. You look up a hillside and you see some of these old European civilizations, you know, that have been there for hundreds and thousands of years, like in Greece, and just build on top of buildings on top of buildings, all sandwiched in there. And you can smell that it, the population and all of their things that they do, all of their industries and all of their food and all of their culture. But you don't want to be you know, smell fucking really bad, like be pathologically smelling. You know, I used to have a family member who uh, smelled really bad to the point where he or she had to have um, prescription deodorant. That was the word anyway. And he or she would put me in a headlock and give me noogies, like back in the 80s or whatever. And I remember that I could not wipe the smell off. I couldn't wash it away. The family member smelled so friggin' bad. And this is, you know, years and years ago, 30, 30 years ago. 35 years ago. But, holy shit, this fucking smelt. Um, but this guy today, he smelled, man. He freaking, you know, put a little, do something with the, your foot, your feet, okay? Put some powder in there. Change your feet, your footwear up a little bit. It's like, it's a hygiene thing, right? So don't fucking be smelling like that. Smell can be good and, and it can be bad. You know, it's one of the most primitive senses our sense of smell. Um, and when we smell, we catch from the mucous membranes inside of our nostrils and our mouth, there are olfactory nerve endings that stick in inside the snot and the mucus on the inside of your nasal passages. Smells, molecules get caught in that area and the nose hairs help trap everything as well. And that nasopharynx allows us to smell and also kind of taste in a way. Whatever. Be it a, a flower, a fart, food. And so that's why our memories are saved along with those smells. They're accompany, accompanied by our, those occasions are accompanied by a smell. What does Christmas smell like? Okay, well, you can... You, you can if you think about that right now, in your mind, your um, olfactory regions, very deep structures within the limbic system, are going to conjure up, the, 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 the connections are going to speak to uh, juniper, smell of a Christmas tree, right? Uh, or the smell of food around Christmas, cookies confections, turkey, maybe you have a Christmas goose or ham, uh, all of those familiar, the smells of new items, material goods, wrapping paper, scotch tape, right? We can all uh, remember these things. Also Thanksgiving, also Halloween, what does it smell like? Well, candy, uh, 
and uh, the inside of a Halloween mask. Well, so yeah, olfaction and memory are very closely linked. So you don't want people to associate you with a bad memory. So wash your nasty fucking ass. Take some monkey butt powder, which is a, a literal, you know, it's a product actually that I uh, sprinkle inside my frickin' underwear and any moist areas. I do that daily. Put on some friggin' deodorant. Make sure you, you know, get a nice soap, soap up all your friggin', you know, your areas there. You know, there's something called an intertrigus area. Everybody's got a little bit of these, and this is like where underneath your arms or maybe say you got a little belly around your waistband or whatever like that, um, between your legs, <laughs> but in an inter- intertrigus area or an intertrigonous, trigonous area, whatever the fuck, these are little spaces where like skin overlaps, like if somebody's really fat, they have a lot of intertrigus areas. So, word was that there was a patient that came into the ER that was so fat that, you know, um, had a piece of sandwich or a sandwich underneath their breast or underneath their belly, right? And so those areas are moist and dark and they're great places for bacteria to grow. And bacteria, they grow, they feed, they emit certain chemicals that smell bad, right? funguses too, all kinds of tiny organisms that are all around us that cover all of us. So since we're all covered by microbacteria, bacteria, funguses, archaea, all these tiny little structures, some of which we haven't even mapped yet, we don't even know exist, but they're on so many of us, they're on all of us. We have these things. Even the cleanest of the clean people, the most hygienic among us, have a rich flora all over their body but if you're a smelly bastard you have more than most and they're uh, working forcing their will on you to do whatever they please in and around your body so it's your pig pen you're going to have friggin be just smothered with all these friggin critters think about that Anyway, there's another, there's a guy I used to train um, in my exercise program. And hard worker, trying to, you know, get fit, get healthy. Good man. Smelled like a freaking bastard. And nobody wanted, it got to the point where it was offensive. And nobody wanted to team up with him anymore. Partner up when we did a certain exercise. It was really bad. Offensive. And, um... You know, I was in a tough spot, had to tell him, had to give him a hint, like, hey, man. And very uncomfortable to have to do that to another adult. (sighs) To break the news to him, right? What else? Heading to my son's scrimmage now. I'm thinking about... And I talked to a friend last night about, you know, just where we're at. You know, how how we're doing with our lives, our careers. Hopefully we're going to see one another this spring when we go out west. 
and it'll be nice to see him. He's a good man. Nice to talk to him. Talking about career goals, talking about, you know, five-year plans, and it's interesting to consider these things. I said recently that I um, have hung up my Dr. Drill hat for the time being, and I wonder if I'll ever pick it back up again, you know, this thing that was so synonymous with, with me, with my identity, when people call me Drill or Dr. Drill, or that's how they know me, you know, and so it has been difficult to do less and less of that across the last five years of it, you know, it was a very magical thing that so many people were helped by and so many occasions and friends and I made so many friends doing Dr. Drill, I commanded so much respect, had so many adventures, that the, the program was like, um, it was like something that kept me even, it kept me honest, because every time I came out to do a workout, or lead a workout, I always had to do my best, I couldn't have a bad day, you know, and I never had a bad day, I, saw, I used to say I never had a bad DDIP day, because it's true, you go out there and you could feel like shit, and you get some exertion in, get some exercise, get around some good people, blow off some steam, you feel like, you feel great, and so I, my challenge is going to be to reinvent that, talking about a five-year plan or whatever, what are my short and long-term goals? To think about these things is very important. And it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for me to like I wonder what am I going to do next? Where where's my life going to go? I know that I have two young children and a lovely family and lo- and wife and um, and life is good. And it's it's enough just to negotiate a busy work day and then go home and have a dinner and and have a few moments of quiet time with the family. Maybe get a meal. But I wonder, because my life was populated with such richness and such adventure as Dr. Drill, um, even when I, times when I was in my chiropractic office, I always knew that tomorrow morning I had to get up and do Dr. Drill and it'd be an early wake up. And I'd be out there maybe on a Saturday morning traversing streams and trails and with a crew and just so many adventures, so many good times, so much positivity and very, very special. It, it really is going to be upping, upping the ante for me to choose my next path. I mean, I'm not going to, it's not going to be anything to uh, deviate extensively from where I'm at. I mean, I'm a doctor of chiropractic, I'm a teacher, I'm a father, not in that order. But with the precedent set of having done a lot over the past 10 or 15 years, what am I going to do that's going to fulfill, that's going to fill that void, that hunger for and that enthusiasm for high adventure and artistic exploits. I mean, I want to write. 
and I want to uh, do my Snapchats of Auntie June and Cowboy Luke, and I want to make people laugh, and I want to play my ukulele, and I want to carve wood, and I want to help people in my chiropractic office, and I want to meet my incoming students this semester, and and improve my teaching game, and get new opportunities, and just have, um, within the next decade, really do some things that, you know, adopt some habits, keep my fitness in place, keep, uh, really be able to tap into my energy, and the fire in my belly, you know, I had somebody yesterday say, guy that I, he's like 65, 70 years old now, but he, 10, 15 years ago, he trained Dr. Drill, and he was, you know, he had his struggles, but, um, just a real nice guy, he was a former teacher, retired teacher, and he said yesterday, and on Facebook, he goes, keep the fire, keep the fire burning Drill, and in his eyes, and in so many people's, from so many individual's perspective that's who I am you know that's what I've done and so that legacy that uh, that precedent of grittiness of motivation uh, I'll always have that with me but in order to tap into that and use that momentum use that as inspiration and that familiarity that I always talk about using a strength to destroy a weakness. And so Dr. Drill is a very strong character, right? Uh, he's an avatar. I could do anything with Dr. Drill. I could step in front of hundreds of people and talk. I could engage people in exercise. I could inspire people, teach them, um, make people happy, make people feel protected and safe and proud to be part of something. Uh, it was very, very good work, and I'll continue to do it. I just need to find a way to execute the plan to keep Dr. Drill alive, not in the same sense that he had been, but to use this podcast to philosophize, to get my own workout in and keep my health and fitness up. You know, I could very easily let my physical self go and my mental as well, because fitness exercise has always been such a big part of my life. Uh, occupationally, but there's a challenge in that, right? Because when you're doing something for other people, when, when you're teaching the class, that becomes very addictive. It becomes physically addictive in terms of endorphins and, and kephalins and dopamine because you're getting a charge out of the workout and the, the exertion, and that's a healthy thing. But also, you're getting a charge being in front of a group of people and leading them and commanding them. And that is so familiar to me that, sure, I'll, I'll miss that in a way. Um, but I still have that. That's still who I am. And I'll always embrace that persona. But I want to use that strength and that momentum accumulated over the years and just shine that light on other things, other areas of my life. And I've always been, I've tried to 
you know, cobble this or that together. I've always tried to have, um, you know, if I'm going to uh, do a, a carving, a wood carving, or if I'm going to, better yet, let's go back to Dr. Drill, if I'm going to lead an exercise class, well, I, it's always been a strength of mine that I didn't need to plan things. I didn't need to write um, down a, an exercise plan. Instead, I could just kind of wing it and go out and create things. I've been very um, effective at creating different strategies, different plans, and executing well and, and coming out with something beautiful. It's like walking into a, um, a junkyard and finding a bunch of items and taking your welder and sticking them together. And I saw a couple little sculptures like that. You ever see that where they take a, a bicycle chain and a pitchfork or whatever and make a rooster out of it, some shit like that. Um, I could take something. I could take seemingly nothing without a road map and I could navigate I want to harness that and I want to cut that loose uh, with my teaching and in the office I want to refocus my efforts there and get back to enjoying my time in the office as much as possible. It has become, as things can become, uh, a, a chore, you know, a job and I've never wanted um, a job. I've, I've always been able to do something that I really love to inspire other people. And it's been freaking phenomenal. But, you know, with enough time doing something, you start to, um, you still notice the, the positives. But you, um, you also notice the bullshit. You know, would be at insurance companies or difficult people or uh, running a business, paying taxes, whatever the hell it is. So I've gotten to the point where I do not um, jump for joy when I'm going into my job, my office every day, because I'm thinking about some of the, the more difficult things that I need to deal with. But I I'll tell you what, whenever I start working with somebody, working with a patient, I greet them, I say hello, I, you know, try to help them. Uh, usually the outcome is very, very positive and it's a great exchange. Dealing with folks, helping them makes me feel good to make them feel good and make a decent wage for that. But part of the hallmark of being Dr. Drill has been passion. You know, when a lot of other people were sitting in their cubicles or doing their job, time to make the donuts sort of shit, I was playing. I was out in the field with a group exercising. The people wanted to improve their lives. They wanted to be inspired. And I, it, it kept me even. It kept me at work feeling good because I was helping so many other people. And I had the energy to do that. So, I want to find that person again. And I think that I need to, I'm going to find Dr. Drill or my creative side, my right brain, if you want to call it that. Um, 
figuratively speaking. I want to explore my human potential and find my passion again in the work that I do in my life, within my skin and muscle and sinew, and I want to be better than ever. Reinventing oneself, you know, finding what makes you tick at whatever stage in your life, you know, seeking some sort of knowledge and wisdom, building a better mousetrap. I'm on a quest to do that. And every day, it's an adventure and it's a struggle, but I'm thankful for the people that I have in my life and all the positives. I got a lot of friends, I got a lot of um, people who care about me and vice versa. And I just want to, um, especially for my family, my kids, I want them to see the type of people that their parents are through the blur of all the busyness that we are in the middle of, you know, whether it's school, sports, family functions, it all goes pretty quick. And I know that within the next five years, my kids are going to be in high school, looking at colleges, who knows, you know, what the future holds, but just seeing patterns of the other people in my life, their families, their kids growing up. I can imagine all the other changes that are going to take place. And I want to, I want to meet those challenges and adapt to those changes and ex- anticipate them and use all this, the Dr. Drill skill set. I just call it Dr. Drill skills. And so I need to tap into some of my own Dr. Drill skills in order to improvise, adapt, and overcome and win the day. Hold me accountable. I need it. I'll need your help.